Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. My guest today is narrator Savannah Peachwood. Welcome, Savannah, to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thrilled to talk to you because we've actually met in real life a few years ago at a convention and I think you might be one of the besides maybe Andy and maybe one or two other ones but we don't really get a chance to to meet you guys a whole lot especially with recent activities and events but I digress Uh (laughs) yeah in the flesh it was so great to meet you I miss conventions and people (laughs) humans (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting there. It looks like um, some stuff is starting to pop up for yes. um, next year and so on and so forth. And so I'm really hoping that things get in a much better situation across the world and we'll be able to um, attend events where we get to hang out with you guys and go grab coffee like we did that last time over there. Me too. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. But for those who may not know you, why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Sure. So I'm Savannah Peachwood. I started in audiobooks. I realized actually this is going to be my 10th year in audiobooks. I started in 2011. At the end of the year was when I recorded my first book. So um, I did the NYU Tisch acting program um, in New York, and they have a relationship with Audible Studios out in Newark, New Jersey. And um, they are always looking for new narrators, and I was lucky enough to get recommended to a workshop that became kind of like a cattle call audition, they call it. And then there was a third round, and then I got my first book in 2011. So, yeah, and it's been audiobooks ever since. I started kind of slow as a, you know, on the side work, um, a book every three months or four months. And then a few years later, I went full time and haven't looked back. How much, how many books are you averaging now? It's funny. I was just looking at my spreadsheets today. Um, I average two to sometimes three books a week, which um, I feel really lucky to do. But also I'm doing these dual projects. So I really only have half of a lot of these books. Um, But yes, I, I, I book out, which I feel very (laughs) lucky about. That's good. That's good. Um, speaking of the dual parts and stuff, how do you go about uh, preparing for a new book and prepping it once you get cast? Yeah, it kind of depends book to book, but the process is generally pretty much the same. I get emails from different producers, different companies, and they say, hey, we have a book for you. Um, this will be your co-narrator. And then we have a th- an email thread with my co-narrator and we're able to touch base on any crazy names or accents or things like that. And I've been working with these guys for years now. So we have a rapport. Some guys, we have different preferred methods of communication. Like, like I always just like text with Zach Weber Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, or um, sometimes I'll like Facebook message with people. Like that's how we started talking. So that's just how we continue talking. And then a lot of guys, it's via email. Um, I love working with um, Teddy Hamilton because we will send like voice memos to each other, Um, just like the iPhone voice memos, which Mm -hmm. are really fun and easy. And I can be like, how did you did you say this name like that? Right. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's that's generally how I stay in touch with the boys. 
Do you read the book, like the entire book on uh, as a whole or just your parts or how do you, from that perspective? Yes. Okay. This is a question that my answer to it has evolved over these 10 years. So I would say up until maybe two years ago, I was really obsessive about preparation for performing these books. So I would read it front to back and I would highlight all of the characters in different colors. And if I'm going to be in studio with other narrators or engineers of the past, I would make sure to usually do that prep as well because I don't want to waste anyone's time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now as I'm, I just finished my like 300 and something book, um, So I've done a lot of them now. So I have sort of like a workflow that helps me and I'm able to sort of read at a skim pace as opposed to, you know, religiously prep with color coding every character. So it's relaxed a little bit. I know a lot of characters, a lot of narrators don't have time to read the book at all. Um, I also have an amazing prepper that I hire for, you know, my higher paying <laughs> titles where I can afford to to pay her to help me know what to anticipate with each book too, to really get in there and, and break down each chapter into like a summary for me. So yeah, prep varies book to book, but I always like to know what I'm getting into before I sit down at the mic. A few of you guys have, I've noticed, have preppers, which I didn't even know was a gig when it comes down to this lovely audiobook community. And I know that that's something that it's good to know these different roles because people are like, well, how do I get in there? And I'm like, there's different ways. I kind of like it when you guys bring up these new roles or something like that to kind of address them. Because there are so many people that are like, well, I know I don't sound like a narrator, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, there <laughs> how are else so can I get involved in the industry? Yeah, it's a whole team, you know, there's there's preppers, there's proofers, there's beta listeners. A lot of authors I know have hired beta listeners to listen to the audio early and have a second set of eyes and ears on the, the project. So there's a lot of different options for people who would like to work in the industry. Yeah, that's a lot of cool options. And I think more and more as we continue to talk about them and also the community continues to expand, more of these come up. When it comes down to sitting in the booth, what yeah. is your routine like before starting? Like, do you have a ritual routine before sitting down and recording the audio? Kind of. Um, I got a pandemic puppy. <laughs> I got a dog this year. So, and her name is Daisy and she's precious. I love her so much. Um, so my life has changed a lot um, as far as what I have commitments to, you know, outside of the booth. So she gets me up a lot earlier than I would necessarily get up on my own. So I'm, you know, up in the six o'clock hour and taking her out and just having a lot more full morning. I always like to eat before I go in the booth. A lot of people, you know, will like fast or whatever, but my tummy makes noises. So I usually have oatmeal in the morning, oatmeal with some kind of fruit in it. And that seems to keep the grumbles down. Um, I have always a couple of beverages. I usually have a giant water and an iced or hot coffee and maybe also a hot tea. Um, I have a really fat chapstick that I'm obsessed <laughs> with. <laughs> but, um, that's just part of my routine. A big part of being a narrator who self-records is software management, file management. Um, and there's a lot of admin to just emails and 
um, lots of balls in the air. So I try to spend a little bit of time on that in the morning as well. And then I get to work. Puppy, huh? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, she's a rescue. She's Mm -hmm. five months now. Um, I got her when she was two months. So she's fun. She's a handful, but she's precious. Yeah, what breed? I know that he's a rescue, so... Yeah, she's a mutt. There's kind of a story there. Mm -hmm. When we rescued her, the rescue said she was an Australian shepherd mix. And she has that really pretty merle coat, which is like the speckledy black and white. And um, we did the DNA test that you can get for dogs. We did two of them, actually, because that's how extra of a person I am. Um, (laughs) And the DNA test came back, and she is 0% Australian shepherd, and she is a mix of 17 different breeds, 17. Um, The biggest being like 17% or I think maybe 20% German Shepherd, Labrador Retriever. There's Chihuahua mixed in, White Shepherd, um, all kinds of dogs. Chow Chow. (laughs) So so she's a big old mutt, but love her. So at five months, she's still um, potty trained and stuff like that, but she still has that puppy energy. Yes, she is big puppy energy. Yes. But um, she also sleeps a lot, which is a great thing about puppies. So I actually have her little sleeping crate in the same room that I narrate. So if she like stirs a bit, I actually hear her and have to stop recording and check on her and come back in. But um, but yeah, she's got she's very, very high energy, which is fun. It keeps me busy, which is Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, no, it's uh, the puppies are great. I I have five. Um, oh my goodness! Oh wow! I want to hear about every single one of these puppies. Maybe not in this exact moment, or yes, please, in this exact moment. But all a rescue. One of them. So technically, four of mine. The last one I inherited when my mom passed away. I inherited him. His name is Caramel, and he's of all the dogs, he's what I call the Velcro dog. If I go anywhere, he must. I must be within vision sight. He's here yes. in the office with me. Um, if I go, yeah, basically anywhere, he's like, what you doing? I'm going with you. <laughs> but, but my other ones are all rescue. Raven is the oldest who's a pug. Oh, so black pug snout and stuff like that. And she's getting older now. So she has a couple of white hairs and I'm like, oh my God, you're getting old. And then I have my two pit mixes, uh, Nico and Mocha. Oh, and sweet babies. Yeah, no, adorable. Mocha is a greyhound pit mix and i say greyhounds simply because she has that body that back hound hit that the greyhounds have Mm -hmm. very slender um waist but oh my god she swears she's only five pounds and (laughs) wants to sit on you and 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 i'm like i love you but get off me you're 65 pounds and then nico is very sophisticated and and prim and proper and he'll sit next to you and and ask if it's okay to lay down and stuff like that and so those are complete different personality and then the baby is a chihuahua mixed with who knows what. He looks, <laughs> he um, has a long neck and kind of reminds me a little bit of a, like a deer when he's sleeping with the neck oh. on the back kind of like thing. I'm like, dude, but he is so cute and plays with my pit. The way that they play sometimes I'm like, I have to remind myself, they're just playing. They're just playing because the pit is, has his mouth completely wide open and Atticus, the puppy, um, which is almost about a year now, is inside the mouth. Oh, and I'm no. going, <laughs> and I'm like, don't eat him. <laughs> yeah, please, if you could not, it'd be better. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's uh, I totally understand uh, the puppy energy because I've had them all since 
well, Raven, I had since she's what, eight weeks, Atticus, eight weeks, uh, Nico, six months, and Mocha, about five months. So, yeah, wow. I remember those days. Oh, man. Okay. It's yeah. giving me a reality check that, like, I think my life is busy with one puppy, and here you are with five dogs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, it, makes, it makes things Respect. interesting. Yeah. It makes things interesting going out on vacations or even weekends and stuff like that. It's, it's uh, interesting, but they're all pretty much potty trained. And, you know, they, they are very chill. They sleep a lot like yours at this point mm -hmm. and they completely claim the couches. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay. And they, they, when you walk by, they're like, why are you waking me up? I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Kings of the castle. Basically. But, you know, and then it's moments like these when we're recording internally, I'm like, please don't bark. Please don't bark. Please don't bark. <laughs> yes. yes. You know. So I can only imagine when you're recording, having the crate right there or the, his bed, you know, yes. and, uh, uh, yeah, at first I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> I have, <laughs> I've exploded my career. I like spent so much time, um, you know, I'm, I bought a home and moved out of the city during the pandemic. And I feel so blessed and lucky to get to do that. Um, but you know, a lot of things have changed for me in the past year and, um, and I worked so hard to get quiet. I think that was the hardest thing is, you know, for a long time I lived in New York City and I always went into the studios to record. And I was so happy and my life was so balanced, but mm -hmm. we won't dwell. We, <laughs> This is the state of the world and we move on. So now I have a home studio and I work alone and that's fine. But it's funny how there's certain city noises and then there's country noises. <laughs> I have a little bit of space around me now, but even so... My neighbor had a, a literal excavator in their yard on Friday, <laughs> digging oh. holes. And you, there's nothing you can do. You just have to wait those kinds of things out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, similar stories when I've talked to other narrators that own homes is the same thing. Or they live in a more residential area or the constructions and mm -hmm. the tree trimmers or the, or the lawnmowers. And mm -hmm. yeah, lots of perks from working from home. <laughs> yes. Lots of perks. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm going, yeah, I could have probably been done by now if I would have just been in the studio. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When it's speaking of recording, when it comes down to the characters and you've been already cast and everything, how do you go about selecting how the characters are going to sound, like their tones and things like that? Totally. Well, um, it's kind of intuitive, I think, at this point. Um, I don't have like a formal process. But I generally make the main character as close to my own voice as possible. And that's simply for, well, a lot of reasons. For kind of authenticity, I feel like I'm the most able to give my own voice to a main character. And I'm usually cast because of that sound that I'm able to give. So with a lot of books... Authors will write in a friend group for both the hero and heroine, and they will have like the sassy friend and the ditzy friend and the um, maybe like more bookish friend. And those things I'm able to lean into those vocal qualities as well. Um, so usually that's pretty easy to infer. With the men, I do spend a lot of time thinking about who my co-narrator is. My male voice, I try to make it sound different when I'm narrating with someone like Tim Page versus someone like Aiden Snow, who has that like 
crazy, deep, rumbly guy voice versus mm-hmm. like a guy who's more here, you know, who's um, more like friendly, middle voiced. So, um, so yeah, I try to keep that in mind with the gentleman. <laughs> but yeah, it's different for every book. When you're narrating, rather when you're co-narrating with the, the male narrators, some of them have this specific almost cadence or a groove to their voice and stuff like that. Like Teddy Hamilton has one. Right. He does. <laughs> Do you kind of like try to envision what he, that cadence is when it comes down to that character or do you just, uh, you know, vocalize the character as it comes to you? Yes, I think I do. I, I don't know that I've ever outright thought about it, but as I'm sitting here now, I'm thinking like when I narrate a book with Teddy Hamilton, I do kind of picture him what he's like sitting at the mic doing saying his mannerisms so yeah i do in my mind kind of picture the the guy who's my team member on the project yeah but when it comes down to that cadence i mean there's some of them that you can't even figure out what that is but there's others that are just like that that's teddy i think i have one as well i wonder if the guys ever think about that with me but i think i have a pretty i don't know maybe i'm just self-conscious about it but i feel like i have a cadence as well Many of us are a sucker for accents. Do you have a favorite accent to perform? Yes. Really, the only accent that I love performing is a Southern accent because I am from the South. So I grew up with a pretty thick accent. And I, you know, I went to theater school and I always joke that they beat it out of you in theater school. So now I just kind of have it in my back pocket available. But I do a lot of Southern accent projects. I love pulling out my Southern accent for books because it just feels like comfortable and home and easy breezy. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know I was going to ask because when you say Southern, I'm going, okay, well, is it like Savannah, Georgia Southern, or is it more like North Carolina or if it's like a Texan accent? Um, Cause people are particular. Yeah. Very particular. (laughs) Yeah. North Carolina is hard for me because North Carolina, like they drop all the R's kind of, and it's more like North Carolina. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's not my natural. um, One of my, I know that you asked for two truths and a lie. So one of my (laughs) um, (laughs) lines is about where I'm from. So we'll circle Okay, so we'll skip that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So with that being your favorite to perform, which accents has been the hardest for you to do? Oh man, there are narrators like Zachary Weber and I always joke, we went to school together at NYU, um, about how great he is at accents and how much I struggle with them because it's just not something that comes super easy to me. So I really try not to do any first person accents that are outside of my natural sphere. Like I would never narrate a book with a British female main character because that if you ask me, should go to a British narrator. Um, and same kind of thing for first person for Irish or Boston is really hard. Um, but I've gotten better through the years and I do have some training that I can, you know, fall back on. But but yeah, my my least favorite is probably like Boston accents. They're really hard <laughs> for me. Um, I did a Scottish accent for a book that was actually really fun. Um, that was for a book called, I believe, Wild on My Mind. And that one was really fun. It was actually a Scottish guy with a stutter. So that was challenging, but fun. Um, and then I did the main 
um, character in an L.J. Shen book in the unlikely event was Irish. So that was something that I worked really hard on. And, you know, some people thought I did okay, and some people didn't love it in the reviews. But I think most people enjoyed that book. Anyway, I'm rambling. Yep. I wonder if you oh. should cut out that bit. <laughs> well, no, no, when it comes down to the accents, it's always fascinating for me because, I mean, I've not traveled outside of the States, but being from Miami, Florida, it's, you know, basically a melting pot of a bunch of different accents, including a lot of Europeans. I have heard a lot of the accents and, you know, now we have YouTube and all this other fun stuff, but I always find it hilarious when some of these reviews says, oh my God, their, their accent, like there's their Irish accent was so not real. And it was about an Irish narrator. He's actually Irish. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's having to with someone that's British as well. And it's like, but he's actually British. And right. just, it's, Shane East, I think has joked about that. Before yes. Online, yeah. That, it's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, but I am from England. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's yeah. just what we think it sounds like, or if they're depending on the dialect, if it's coming from the north or the south or from one end or the other, it's uh, always fun when right. it comes and down to accent. Narrator, all we can do is our very best. And mm -hmm. that is what I try to do for each book is to really just put my whole heart into it and give it my best. And, you know, you're not going to be everybody's favorite flavor of ice cream. And that's totally fine. It just means that we have other more ice cream for us when you are our flavors. Yes. So. <laughs> So romance is an um, um, has many subgenres, and so I call it it's an umbrella term where all the subgenres kind of go underneath it. Yes. What is your favorite subgenre in romance to perform? Oh wow, good question. You're so right that romance is an umbrella for so many subgenres, and I've been really lucky to kind of dip a toe into several. I would say that my favorite to perform is just what comes most naturally to me, which is like a contemporary comedic rom-com romance. Um, they're just right in the pocket and it feels really fun. And I'm really confident the whole time that I'm performing those books. So I really love light, bright rom-coms. I, um, I, I really like performing comedy. Um, and there's so many authors who are so fucking funny. <laughs> they make me laugh while I'm working, which is so, you know, enjoyable. So I'd say that that's my favorite. Um, but I get to do a lot of different kinds, which is really fun. I'm working, I'm starting book four in a werewolf series um, for Eva Chase later this month. So that has been really fun and different. And, um, you know, there's there's so many. There's dark romance and, <laughs> yeah, there's everything. So is there a genre that you have yet to narrate in that you'd like to? Gosh, that's a good question, too. Um, hmm, so I just did a book that I don't have a ton of opportunities to do, um, which was an MMF book. Um, and I don't think I can say what it is yet because it's not out for pre-order, but I did just do one of those, which was saucy, spicy fun. So, um, yeah, I don't do a ton of that, but there are some here and there sprinkled in. So is that one of the genres that you kind of wish that you could dive more into? Um, yeah, I, it's always fun to switch it up. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to do WLW books as well, um, like Lesfic. I would really enjoy more of those books. There's so many genres of romance out there. So 
Yeah, I'd love to. I'm happy for whatever comes my way. If an author, you know, hears me for their project, it's so flattering. And I'm just going to do my best in any book I get assigned. No, it seems like every couple of years, a new genre gets categorized mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit more. I don't want to say invented because they've always been there. It's just one of those someone just said, hey, we should actually label that. I mean, years ago, we didn't have new new adults and now we do. So I love uh, new adult just to say that too. Yes. Like the college age is just like right in that in that pocket that I love to perform, especially because, you know, I'm I'm kind of closer to that age maybe than I am to like some of the books that I do that are second chance romance. So it feels really authentic to me. You mentioned loving rom-coms and laughing in the booths and stuff like that. Have you ever got into that one of those books where you've just cracked up and it just took you a while to get over the giggles? Yes, absolutely. There is this one book I did uh, last year called Liar Liar Hearts on Fire by Pippa Grant. I lost my mind narrating this book. (laughs) I narrated it with Joe Arden, um, and it's a baseball book. But there are some hilarious scenes, and there's there are ducks in this book, and that is all I will say. But they are (laughs) so funny. Um, That book had me rolling. So, yeah, I really enjoy the rom-coms. Pippa Grant is known for um, her animals in her books. Yes. Um, so. <laughs> so when it comes down to you losing it from laughing, do you keep, I know a lot of you guys like punch and roll, but do you keep those bloopers? I don't archive them. No. Man, I should. You Maybe should. I'll start. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> usually because, like you said, punch and roll, the the workflow is that you, whenever you make a mistake or need to go back, you record over what you, you know, mm-hmm. made a mistake on. So, so I don't mark them, but maybe I should start shooting them off in little clips. So, yeah, an interesting idea. Those are mm. always fun. And then it also gets us cu- listeners curious as to what book was that again? So... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I find, I find that it's, it's just fascinating when you're, you know, you're busting out laughing and then you kind of have to go back because of the punch and roll and then do that scene all over again and not trying to giggle. Yes, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> and the same thing happens with the really heavy books as well. Like, I think, um, I think I it wouldn't be out of line to say that I'm known as like a narrator who gets very emotional, brings a lot of emotion to the books. So in these like heavy books, sometimes I feel like I let myself go too far into the emotion where maybe it's distracting or or hard to understand even. So a lot of times I sort of self-correct or self-edit and I'll say, all right, pull it back a little deep breath and, and roll on. And yeah, it's the same thing with comedy and and the drama. You've been doing this for quite some time now. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, what is a, one of the more common myths about being a narrator that you want to debunk? Oh, wow. Okay. That's such a good question. I would say that one of the myths that I would like to debunk about narrating is that you can just sit and talk all day <laughs> and it's the same thing. I get a lot of people and it's well-meaning, I know, but I get a lot of people who tell me that they read to their grandkids. So maybe they would like to be a narrator as well. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage everyone to give it their best shot, but it's, um, I call it a marathon. It's like athletic acting because I'm 
in a booth by myself, completely still, from 10 a.m. to 4 or 5 p.m. on a good day every day with like an hour break in the middle. And it's it's a long game. It's not um, it's not a 10 page book. So so, yeah, it's it's a lot of it requires a lot of mental focus. I it's also one of those jobs where I can't do anything else at the same time while I work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm I think fondly about like what it would be like to have just like a job I could do on a laptop anywhere. And my job has so many special accommodations. Like I need complete silence, which is kind of hard to come by. And I can't be on my phone or watching anything else. I have to have my full attention on the project. So I don't know. I think a lot of people think like, oh, I could do it too. And while I want to encourage everyone to try, because I think a lot of people maybe could, I think a lot of people think it's a lot easier of a gig than it is. Yeah, I don't think people tend to think about all those nuances that are small. Like even before we started officially recording, I took my bracelets off Mm -hmm. because and I'm not one of you guys, but I know that trick already because I realized it the other day when I was trying to record something, I heard the I'm like, what is that fucking noise? Oh, crap. It's the bracelet. And sitting still because I'm like, I'm only doing this for what, 30, 40 minutes. And I'm going, don't move the chair. Don't move the chair. Oh my gosh, squeaky chairs, the yeah. bane of my existence. <laughs> I'm struggling with my chair in the booth this week, actually. I have like my WD-40 out twice a day being like, all right, I'm going to find you squeak. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And does it squeak afterwards saying, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, it talks back for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're not working and you're having these long ass days, what do you do for fun? Hmm. I think that answer has changed so much in the past year. <laughs> You know, when I used to live in New York City, I would go out with my friends. There's always things to do, go out to the park or there's all kinds of, you know, outdoor dining and stuff. Um, The narrator community in especially New York City is so tight. So a lot of my best buds are also narrators or engineers or producers so I miss that so much, just friendship and hanging out. <laughs> um, but I also play guitar. Um, I've been doing that since I was a kid. I'm not that great, but I really enjoy it. Um, and now that I have a dog, it feels like my whole identity. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then... Um, yeah, I don't know. What else do I do for fun? I'm trying to garden this year for the first time. Mm. Um, and it's a lot of work. There's a there's a lot to learn. So I'm hoping that my garden next year will be twice as good as my garden this year. But So what are you growing? I have so many seeds, but I'm trying to get them planted at the right time. But I have truly everything. I have lettuce, zucchini, kale, tomatoes, peppers, everything. But um, they're all little babies right now. It just started being warm enough where it wouldn't frost over. Yeah, that's a goal of mine too. One day to start that. I have the um, those wood boxes that you put on top of the of the of your yard. The, the raised beds. Yeah, yes. I use raised beds too. I I don't trust my. I have a lot of like wildlife around, so I want it up off the ground. It's still in the patio in the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's been yeah. about a year. <laughs> Yeah, it takes time. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'll do this. No, not this weekend. It's too hot. And then like today it's been raining all day. And I'm like, nah, never mind. So yeah, it'll be fun. And plus, but when you see those growing and they start 
really producing and stuff like that, you're going to be like, yes, you know, it's, I guess the best feeling. So that'd be fun for you. Yeah. Um, and I hope that you'll post some of that stuff on social media so we can see it too. Yes. Fun to do. Yeah. I have kind of stepped away a little bit from social media. I was like, I started, um, on social media early. Like I was always like one, I felt like I was kind of like alone on social media as a narrator when I first got on there. And then now everybody's on there, which is so amazing. But, um, I actually had some kind of like negative experiences, um, with people on social media that just made me feel like I wanted to isolate a little, like pull away from it. Um, but I'm feeling a lot I'm enjoying it a lot more now, so I'm back. Also, it just feels, as somebody who does two to three books a week now, it's a lot to keep up. Um, so I just, I always try to repost anything anybody tags me in. That has been something that's really fun and really manageable because I'm so grateful that anybody would like let me know that they liked a book that I work on. So it's easy for me to, to be like, oh my gosh, somebody listened and they liked it and I can repost that. So that is always really fun and easy. So mm. that's where I'm living in there right now. Yeah, no, a lot of people, um, because we're so used to it, I guess, you know, past couple of years of social media, especially, especially this past year and a half, it, it's almost like, oh, it's easy. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's a lot of work. You know, mm -hmm. like, what do you post? And do you really want to see what I'm eating? <laughs> yeah. this is really interesting but at least for you guys i know that is you know like what you guys are working on because there's some of us that have calendars just so you know about what's coming up in the future <laughs> so we can amazing <laughs> i love that yeah and when it comes on to our favorite narrators we like to know so we can put you guys on our calendars and make sure that nothing else gets in the way of that day of release because that is what we're listening to um so oh my gosh it's so heartwarming to hear that because mm -hmm. it, you know it's just an isolating industry to like sit alone in a booth and like really give your all to these books and then you know who listens to it you never really you mm -hmm. sometimes hear back but wow i love I think like the next time I'm having like a tough day in the booth, I'm just going to like picture you <laughs> and like dedicated to you. And that makes it a Aww. lot easier. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of us that are just like, you know, we call ourselves like the book friends and we're constantly saying, Hey, what do you read listening to now? And mm -hmm. Hey, have you heard of this one? And constantly recommending. And even sometimes when we're in a funk, we're like, I, I need uh, something funny. And they're like, Oh my God, you have to listen to this from Pippa Grant and Savannah Peach was so good and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's, it's, it's a really good community. Of course, like with anything, there's always a bad apple here and there. Of we try to um, think better and, and just say, hey, so Savannah, that book that you were narrating, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that online where people like ask people not to tag authors in negative reviews. And I totally get that because mm -hmm. there are, I mean, there are truly, probably at this point, there are hundreds of thousands of reviews of books that I've narrated. And like we talked about before, you're not going to be everybody's flavor of ice cream, but mm -hmm. knowing that people are enjoying it is just so fulfilling and such a positive feeling and it really is 99.9 percent .9 just totally heartwarming so oh, yeah. it's a good feeling when you're doing something and people like it yeah. yeah. The toughest part is so many of the books that I narrate and I'm lucky that I'm at this level in my career now so many of them 
you're not allowed to talk about them until they're either A, up for pre-order or B, like on release day. Mm -hmm. So that's always a bummer because I'd love to be like, hey, I'm in the booth today working on XYZ. Um, I did actually write to my producer for the book that I was recording today to be like, I'm going to be on Viviana's podcast and I would like <laughs> to tell people about this book because I loved it. Can I? And they said yes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's a good trick for that though as a, a rather a solve is even if you can't tell us the name of the book or the author you okay. can still tell us that you're you're in love with a werewolf and yeah. that you know you're in outer space or that you're in a small town and you know the guy's an asshole um because he's a <laughs> business right. owner and stuff like that and then we'll make no lie we'll make notes of them is narrating a guy you know who's right. <laughs> an ass and and then when it comes out we're like oh that's the book she was talking about nice and then we'll add the title to it right. but a lot of authors are now starting to realize the marketing opportunities about sharing who the narrators are and so they're doing okay. casting reveals way before the books up for even pre-order wow. so yeah that's so cool it yeah. is yeah I love teaming up with authors for things like that too. Um, it's always great to feel like I can help build the buzz and like get people excited about the books that I like have already performed and I know what's coming and it feels like I'm in on a little secret. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is really true. Um, here is a question that I actually reached out to someone that loves you as a narrator. Um, her name is Sarah McQueen. And uh, I said, so, hey, I'm talking to Savannah. What questions do you have for her? <laughs> oh, my gosh, Sarah. Yeah. My new BFF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's 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 newer to the, uh, the love of romance as far as audiobooks goes into the audiobook community. But she has been devouring it when I learned that she was one of your that she loved your you as a narrator I'm like I gotta I gotta ask her like hey if you can ask her anything what would you ask her and she's like I'm so bad at this and I'm like come on what would you <laughs> ask her <laughs> and she's so I, I adore her she's so cute she's like okay okay so if you could have any animal as a pet what would it be and why oh wow okay let me think about it any animal if I could have any animal as a pet mm-hmm Wow. I don't know. I think if I could have any animal as a pet, I would want a white tiger. And I feel kind of bad saying that after watching like Tiger King at the beginning of the pandemic, because I know it's not ethical, but I think they are the most majestic, beautiful creatures. Um, I would love to just like snuggle up with a giant white tiger at the end of the day to decompose. <laughs> And like you know dangle a string in front of it and play with it like a house cat I think I would enjoy that yeah or maybe like um maybe a dolphin or like mm -hmm. a giant orca whale mm. um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bad at answering the question too I think but but yeah I think oh. white tiger or some kind of like giant aquatic animal cool so there you go Sarah thanks um Sarah. <laughs> It's a great question. I think sometimes it's one of those like when we can think about it, like, okay, with no issues, no poaching or anything like that, if you could have anything, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm like, I probably would have like a black panther. Uh, <laughs> so Big cats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're cute. They're cuddly. They're kitty cats. They're like, no, that's a cat. Like, no, they're <laughs> no, kitty cats. Your face off. If yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I have another book friend. Her name is Kelly Love. Love her name. 
And um, we're constantly talking about books here and there and the narrators. And again, letting her know that I was going to talk to you. I was like, hey, what, what, I mean, I always have these awesome questions for them, but I always feel like they're the same questions. So she's like, you know, Savannah has this incredible, innocent sounding voice. You should ask her, which Disney heroine would you voice if you could voice any of them? Oh my God, what a great question, Kelly. Love. I love that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, as a kid, my favorites were Belle, just because I'm a brunette and bookish. <laughs> so I loved Belle. Um, but I also really like Jasmine because I feel like she is like sultry, salty, sassy, and I, we vibe. <laughs> so yeah, Belle or Jasmine. And um, in her notes and stuff to me, she's like, about the Disney heroine, he goes, he goes, they're not all princesses, as you know. I'm like, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. What is your favorite word? Oh, my goodness gracious. What is my favorite word? <sighs> that is a hard one. My favorite word. <clears throat> okay, well, my favorite word when it comes to audiobooks is series. <laughs> because... <laughs> I love when I get an email that's like, new series for you, <laughs> because it means <laughs> I have a lot of books and I can fill up my calendar. I love the word series. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think my favorite word is probably, it's probably something basic like love or home. Um, those things have become really valuable to me especially in the past couple years. So yeah, love or home. Okay. Here's a fun one. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) See, that was quick. I'm like, she'll be quick on this one. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. It's just so easy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, versatile. I love fuck. Motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can be used as a noun, adverb, so many options. (laughs) What song do you have to sing along with when you hear it, regardless of where you're at, regardless of who's around? Oh, wow. Um, I would say probably Jolene by Dolly Parton. I love that, <laughs> It'll get I love me that every song. Time. <laughs> yeah. It'll get me every time. Anything by Dolly, really. Um, yeah. I, she, I just any, anything she sings, it's such a bop. You got to sing it with along with her. And there's been some really good, re- you know, remakes and covers of that, Jolene. Mm-hmm. So we have reached the game segments portion of our talk. Great. Love a game. <laughs> yeah. So we have a new game that we play with our guests called Two Truths and a Lie, where we try to figure out how good of a liar you are. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> terrible liar. <laughs> where, um, where, you know, our guest tells us two, three things about themselves, which two are true and one is a lie. And the listeners and I, because I like to pretend like we're actually all playing along, try to figure out which one's a lie. So if you're ready. Okay. Okay. So what are your right. three things? Here are my three things. I skipped a grade. I am from Georgia and I play the saxophone. I would do the saxophone because I didn't mention that when I said what I'd like to do for fun. It's Even- true. I do play the saxophone. Ah, see? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that one's the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. Skip the grade? Is a lie? No, I did skip the ah! grade. 
<laughs> oh, see, again, southern accents and stuff like that. I thought maybe it would be Georgia. So. Yes, I was trying to trick you yeah. at the point of the game. Well, um, you did very well. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me if I'm from Georgia because Savannah Peachwood, Georgia mm-hmm. Peaches. Um, I Savannah, am Georgia, Georgia, yeah. Right. I'm from Tennessee, which is very close to Georgia. But yeah, I grew up in Tennessee. Um, people always talk about pseudonyms, you know, and Savannah Peachwood is a pseudonym. Um, but it's um, I was born on Peachwood Street. So that's where Peachwood comes from. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you got me. <laughs> <laughs> what grade did you skip? I went from first to third. And I always joke about it because it was just because I loved to read. I was a voracious reader as a kid. I was an only child. So I started reading early. They were my best friends, um, my books. And I was just outpacing the reading that they had available for me. So I popped from first to third, which was, you know, fine at the time. I feel like it it put me on like the right track because I wasn't, you know, like some sort of academic prodigy from then on. I just kind of was like, you know, normal level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always upset about it when I was older because I was the last to drive. I was the last to turn 18. I was maybe like the youngest from then on, but that was okay. It all worked out. So you mentioned saxophone. Do you still play? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just kind of fuck around with it. But I started in middle school on the alto sax and I bought myself one for my 21st birthday um, to just like have in the house. It's really hard to play in New York City because it's so loud. There's really not a lot of ways to muffle a saxophone because the the air comes out of the side of the instrument. Mm -hmm. So you know, there are certain casings that you can buy to dampen the sound. But now that I'm kind of outside of the city, and especially now that I have this fancy ass vocal booth, I can go to town on my saxophone. <laughs> it's also a teal saxophone, which is oh, really wow. cool. Yeah, I bought it. There's a story there. I think it's like a blessed instrument that I bought off the wall used at an old vintage shop. But yeah, I do play sax. I can play like the simple basic stuff i'm no jazz prodigy but i really enjoy it that is so cool and interesting and teal nice (laughs) yeah i love vintage stuff so that's another thing um (laughs) well thank you for playing and getting in this week we got to know you a lot better um because did not think see i could have sworn i would have been georgia but see you got me that was good Yes. Hopefully the listeners were a lot better than I was this time around. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on or what's coming up next for you that you can share? Okay. Yes. So I asked for permission to talk about this book because I loved it so much. I just finished it. It's a book called Must Love Dogs and Hockey by Kelly Jameson. Um, And I just recorded that along with Tim Page for Andy Arndt's company, Lyric Audiobooks. And it's basically about a New York City dog walker who starts walking a dog for a very grumpy NHL hockey player. Um, And it's just so cute and funny. and, And there's a lot of heavy stuff in there, too. And gosh, I really loved that book. So I just finished that one this week. I also just wrapped book three in a series for Dreamscape, um, 
It's a series by Emma Hart, and it's called the Bookworms Guide series. So there was the book the Bookworms Guide to Dating, the Bookworms Guide to Faking It, and I just finished the Bookworms Guide to Flirting. Um, and I did that one with Will Watt, a British accent. Um, hmm. So that one was fun. And then what else? Oh, I really enjoyed one I did for Claire Kingsley recently um, for Aaron Spencer's company, One Night Stand Studios. It was called Marrying Mr. Wrong, and it was with Aiden Snow, and um, they got drunk married in Vegas. <laughs> so those are three that are sounds very, very interesting. I made a note of it because I'm going to grab them. I hope you love them. Yeah, no, I will let you know. Thank you for sharing what's coming up next. And I know that... Um, Audible always has stuff popping up. Like right now, I think it's, uh, let's see, it's The Bishop, the uh, Tanglewood novella yeah, by I did Sky a small Warner. Mm-hmm. I'm a real small part in the, a multicast for that one. But yeah, that one was a trip. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. It has you, Lucy Rivers, Teddy Hamilton, CJ Bloom, mm-hmm. and that's by Sky Warner. So that's um, set to come out in July. But between now and then, that's going to be like a couple more books that are in between. So because oh, yeah. that's how Audible rolls. Well, thank you so much, Savannah, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. If you're not following Savannah on social media, I will be leaving all the links for you to find her and follow her, especially now that she's thinking about being a little bit more active and maybe she'll share some bloopers. (laughs) So maybe if we follow her along, we're like, hey, where are the bloopers at? Yeah, (laughs) bother me for bloopers. Comment. (laughs) Be like, give me the bloopers, bitch. Um, and you will find all the links uh, to this episode and the stuff that we talked about over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. So until next time, happy listenings. A heartfelt thank you to all of our audiobook lovin' podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Jen Franklin, Brittany Cottingham, Leanne Schwartz, Christy Reitz, Chrissy Font, Rhonda Pezzarello, Evelyn Clarisi, Michelle DaCosta, Michelle Bastard, Farah Blair, Candice Platel, Carol Liebner, Bethany Crane, Jennifer Mirabelli, Kaylee Loring, Victoria Butler, Rula Hart, Carrie Wallace, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darsh, Valerie Wall, Sarah McQueen, Lynna Black Patterson, Nixley Zenner, and Nancy Billows. The Audiobook Love and Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.